welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review so others can find the show too. My guest today is Dr. Kim Garland-Campbell. Kim is a research geneticist in the USDA ARS Wheat Health Genetics and Quality Research Unit in Pullman. Kim has been a wheat breeder since 1992 and has been in Pullman since 1999. Her research focuses on genetic improvement of wheat to reduce grower risk and improve marketability and end-use quality. Her research emphasizes the use of quantitative genetics for analysis and control of genotype by environment interaction. She has the distinction of being the only wheat breeder who has a primary focus on club wheat. Hello, Kim. Hi, Drew. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So, uh, Kim, your program received $142,500 from the Washington Grain Commission in the current fiscal year. Can you tell me how uh, these funds allow you to do things that might not be possible without that additional support? Well, um, you know, I'm a USDA wheat breeder, so we get some base support in addition to our salaries. Uh, but the uh, money that I get, which is about $93,000 from the commission for the club wheat breeding program, allows us to really expand that program and do more locations. We plant about um, 14 locations. We don't plant them all. We, we work together with winter wheat program here and with variety testing. Um, and also to um, uh, to actually have a full cultivar development program, you know, that brings finished cultivars out to farmers. I think if we didn't have that extra funding, we would have to stop short of that. And in order to keep the club wheat acreage really up and competitive, it's important to, you know, finish the cultivars. So. Okay. And, and uh, the other portion of the funds? Uh, the other the other money, which is about 50000 uh, is used for our cold tolerance screening. So each year we uh, rate uh, winter wheat germplasm in the in growth chambers. Well, they're actually programmable freeze chambers up at the greenhouse. And we've been doing this for many years. And the, the methods that we use were initially developed by Dan Skinner, who was a USDA colleague. And we uh, rate all of the variety trials. We are actually rating hard uh, spring variety trials also. And then now we're also rating the winter barley trials. And we rate the um, all the germplasm from Aaron Carter's program and from my program. I've reached out to Oregon a few times. Uh, I'm kind of hoping they'll send me some stuff in the future. Okay. <laughs> and, and so... Um, and we wait, rate the Western regionals too. So, and then we we provide this data back out to breeders uh, usually in July or August, and then the variety trial data comes just a little bit later. But the over the years we've been able to uh, also we've had enough cold winters like last winter that we've gotten good field ratings, and we've been able to see that our 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 ratings on artificial freeze tests are very highly correlated with the freeze tests. I mean, with the actual field survival. So 
I think this is pretty valuable data that goes out and there's not a good way to collect it otherwise. Okay. So. And it, it helps your program and club breeding as well as yeah, sounds it really like does, multiple other yeah. programs, right? Right. Yeah. The, the, you know, the club wheat, most of the club wheat acreage is in Douglas. It starts like over in Douglas County and it kind of runs along Route 2 down as far as Ritzville and then comes down. Sometimes it'll come down all the way to Highway 26. And and you see some club over um, on the Palouse. Like often when I'm driving between here and Steptoe Butte, I see club on the road, uh, sometimes a little bit down around Genesee. And, uh, you know, the Pacific Northwest is the only place in the world that produces club wheat commercially. We sell 90% of it to Japan and Japan really values it highly. In fact, I think it's been about six years ago uh, the Washington Grain Commission assisted USDA and the Japanese Flour Millers Association to develop a technical exchange. So we interact frequently during the year and we and they evaluate our upper level lines in their systems to confirm that they meet their expectations. The good news about that is they all have, <laughs> they all do. So the selection that I'm doing for that club weight quality matches what the uh, customer wants. And, and so, um, the market, you know, club wheat is about eight to 10% of the winter wheat crop here. And it's a small part of the spring wheat crop, but they're, the spring club wheat varieties are developed by Mike Pumphrey, but it's a critical part because it keeps our high quality, high value customers coming back. And, uh, nobody else in the world produces this quality of wheat that we have here. So I'm really proud to be kind of the person, you know, like I think 95% of the club wheat uh, that's grown out there came out of my program. I'm proud of that. <laughs> so. I know when I drive around with somebody from outside the area and we see a field of club wheat, they'll go, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah look at. Then, then Most other wheat breeders say that too. Like, what is that? <laughs> so. so what are some of the things you're, you're focusing on in your breeding efforts in club wheat? What are those... Um, characteristics that the industry really likes to see in, in club wheat that you're working on? Well, you know, I, I, you mentioned that I work on genotype by environment interaction. And so you always have to think about where it's grown. And most of the club wheat is actually grown in the lower rainfall wheat fallow area. And so I, obviously high grain yields are really important to farmers. But before you can get to harvest, you need the wheat to come up out of the ground and it needs to survive the winter. That's kind of how we got into the cold tolerance uh, project. And then it needs to uh, withstand infections of stripe rust and uh, soil-borne disease. The biggest diseases we worry about are um, straw breaker foot rot or, or eye spot. And uh, snow mold up in Douglas County, we really have to have snow mold tolerance for them. And uh, then over here on the Palouse, we see more eye spot. We also work on Fusarium crown rot, which is more of a dry land uh, uh, problem. But we have found actually that both eye spot and Fusarium crown rot are present everywhere. And the uh, with which disease is more prevalent depends kind of on the weather that year. If you get more rain, you'll see more eye spot. If you if it's drier and more drought, you'll see more crown rot. And the symptoms are really similar. So so we kind of breed for both. <laughs> but um the so just just last year actually I refocused the program 
to really concentrate in that Route 2 corridor. So we added an, a location at Heartline, and in, and we also have a second location up there uh, closer to Elmira now. And we've got um, two locations uh, near Waterville with uh, Aaron Carter, and we plant next to the Variety Trial uh, near Douglas. And then I run the Harrington location we also plant at Ritzville Colotus. This year, actually today, my crew is planting Lind because it wasn't possible to plant at Lind until we got a little bit of rain. And uh, so we'll get a late-seeded Lind location this year. <laughs> and then we also have locations at, uh, um, at Farmington, Pullman, Genesee, Idaho, Pendleton, and Central Ferry. So that's our, that's our higher rainfall locations. We use those. Some oh, quite a bit for yield and yield potential, but more for the stripe rust resistance. You go from Waterfield to Genesee. You've yeah. covered a lot of different environments, that's haven't true. you? That's <laughs> true. Yeah, and Pendleton too. So yeah, that's a lot. Okay. Yeah. So uh, a wide range of areas. Um, I know as at the variety testing plots up in near Waterville this past summer, and I think one of the growers is saying they had like a hundred and eighty days under snow cover or something like that. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And yeah, so last year was the worst year I've ever seen for snow mold, and a few of the farmers were saying it had been the worst since I think the '60s or something. So, yeah, it was it was really devastating. Yeah, lots of lots of things to keep track of when you're trying to breed a, a cultivar that can work over all those different environments. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So. Um, you spoke a little bit about the cold tolerance, but um, how do you, how do you work that? Um, what, what do you want to call it? Artificial approach into your field. Uh, how, you said they're correlated pretty well, mm -hmm. but do you use the artificial to make decisions on what goes into the field? Yeah, mostly. Um, well, so most of the wheat that comes out of the winter wheat program here is is very cold tolerant. My program, over the years, we've worked on it, so it's become more cold tolerant than it was when I got here. The wheat that is bred uh, by some of the companies, actually, the, the old Syngenta, the Syngenta wheat, and then also Lima grain, some can be good, some can be bad. It just goes back and forth. And uh, Oregon tends to be less tolerant, which you would expect. And so I think the value of our screening basically gives signals to the breeders to tell them, you know, this is keep this one or drop that one. And in my case and in Aaron Carter's case, there aren't very many we have to drop because they're not tolerant, but we do need to know which ones those are and get them out of there because we don't really have another way. I mean, unless we get a bad winter like last winter, which we don't get everywhere every year. So um, it's really the only way we can discern it. Um, and I think, I actually think there's, a, well, I know there's a relationship between spring green up and cold tolerance. So our, our most cold tolerant lines that we have here in the Pacific Northwest, like Altan and some of Aaron's, uh, if it if they're grown down in Oregon and it gets warm enough to grow, they just sit there and and act like, no, 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 I'm not ready yet, you know. And it's because they're waiting for the right photo period, the the correct day length to go, which is one of the drivers of cold, of uh, spring spring early spring growth. And the um, and so in this area, we've managed to get the kind of day length response and the cold tolerance really highly associated. So it's a little harder for us if we want to have a line that greens up a little earlier in the spring to uh, 
also select for cold tolerance, you know. Now, down in Kansas and Nebraska and Colorado, they have real cold winters there, you know, and their uh, responses are different. They res And so we've done a lot of crossing to Colorado wheat, especially to try and keep the cold tolerance, but move the photo period requirement a little earlier so we can get lines that take advantage of our warmer spring temperatures that we've been having lately and get going, you know, rather than sitting around. <laughs> so. Yeah. It seems like the last dozen years, every year is totally different from the year before. I know. So. It's a real challenge. <laughs> it, so. it is a big challenge. Yeah. Well, Kim, I know, I know that you're a valuable part of the uh, wheat breeding effort at WSU. Um, appreciate your work and thanks for sharing your your uh, information on your uh, club wheat breeding program and your cold tolerance program. Well, thanks a lot, Drew. It's always fun to come over and talk. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear in future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon, that's L-Y-O-N, at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications and the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.